Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad it's fallen and nobody ever wants it to get back up. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from the uh, the recording studio built here in my home in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, just outside of Charlotte. On tonight's show, I'm going to do something that I have never done before. I am going to, uh, I don't want to call it review, but give my thoughts on two pipes. All right, I'm going to give my thoughts on two pipes. Let me know what you think. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, Steve Fallon. Steve's back again, the pipe stud, the one and only, and uh, I always enjoy chatting with Steve, so you get to hear that. Then we'll have uh, music, mailbag, and a uh, musical rave. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. Uh, But before we get going, thank you to, uh, in the past couple of weeks, we've had six reviews or six ratings and two reviews on iTunes. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, If you haven't had a chance to do that yet, would appreciate it. Also, uh, if you've done it a long time ago, you can go back and do it again. Uh, greatly appreciate that. And again, to all of you listening on Spotify, our numbers are jumping on Spotify, and that is great to see. And uh, I guess great to hear because, uh, well, no, you see the numbers. You don't hear them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> all that. Uh, remember, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show come out at 8 p.m. Eastern time and then are available for eternity so you can go back and get caught up if you miss some. You can go back and listen to old ones again, and it's always fun. Um, every once in a while, I put on an old one just to see what the guest said and get refreshed on it, and I'm, I'm always surprised. I've forgotten a lot of stuff that's been said on this show. Anyway, and would also greatly appreciate you continuing to share the Pipes Magazine radio show amongst your friends on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, your pipe club, wherever you are. Uh, Please keep sharing it. So there you go. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Kevin Godby from PipesMagazine.com with some good news. Our favorite Dunhill tobaccos, early morning pipe and nightcap are two of my favorites, are now back under the Peterson brand name. These are not match blends where another maker tried to reverse engineer their blend to make something that's close to the original. These are the exact recipes and tobaccos being made in the same factory, STG in Denmark, where they've been making the Dunhill tobaccos for almost 10 years. They had about a year and a half, two year hiatus, and now they're back, still being made the same way, but now under the Peterson name. Check with your favorite retail tobacconist For early morning pipe, nightcap, royal yacht, mixture 965, Elizabethan mixture, deluxe navy rolls, flake, dark flake, and standard mixture, now under the Peterson name. Yep, still good. 
and we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so I've uh, I've never done uh, pipe reviews before, and I uh, and let me give you a little bit of background. So uh, the two pipes that I'm going to talk about are from one's from uh, Carl the Olive Wood Piper, and the other one is from Mark Dominguez, who is uh, recently on, uh, and. I, so when a, when a guest is coming on the show, I ask them for nothing but their time, not, 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 a no, uh, no freebies, no nothing. I never ask for anything for free afterwards when we're talking or before when we're talking and on the uh, interview, you know, I always want to try to get to know a little bit more about them. I want to try to get to know what their understanding is of the pipe world. And at the same time, they ask me questions. Well, both of these guys unsolicited asked for my address a couple weeks afterwards and sent me pipes. And uh, and again, I never ask for anything for free because, uh, or I don't even ask for a discount because when I feel like when you're talking to an individual artist, you are asking them to uh, devalue their time. But both of these guys independently insisted on sending me pipes and asking me a little bit about what I was wanting. So... Here's here's what uh, you know. Here, these two guys sent me these pipes, and I thought they were both interesting enough to talk about here on the show and maybe give my um, my perspective on them. And to start off with, with uh, Olive Wood Piper's uh, pipe, Carl sent me a Olive Wood pipe that has a. It, it's just got a beautiful chocolatey uh, chocolatey mixed acrylic stem that is you know, well-made and, uh, and the pipe itself. And this is where I'm going to get into the, my personal point of view. Um, this pipe has become one that I can only smoke when I'm sitting in the reclining chair, uh, which is fine. Cause I usually end my day there. Uh, or sometimes I start my day there too. Uh, it's because of the weight of it. And I'm not sure if it's traditional with olive wood, but the olive wood feels, in comparison to a briar pipe of that size, the olive wood feels heavier. Now, that's going to tell me also that this is going to be much more resistant to burnouts. And as I thought, it was also much more resistant to me getting it too hot. Um, the olive wood itself does not really impart a flavor, but it does have a, it doesn't quite have some of that natural sweetness that uh, that Briar has, so I would I would um, I'd say that it's more along the lines of me smoking one of my Meershams, where it's a little bit pure tobacco taste, um, a little bit pure uh, yeah, a little bit pure experience, and again, ex you know, exceedingly heat tolerant. So. Uh, so I've sat in the reclining chair with it, puffed away on it, have enjoyed every bowl of it. Um, I do think that maybe it's a little bit on the wet side for me for a regular smoke because it, it, it's probably not as porous, but maybe once I get, you know, once I get 20 or 30 bowls through it, it will probably build up a better cake that may help with some of that. Um, either way, a beautiful pipe enjoyable and it gives me a chance to vary my experience with my very narrow tobacco selections uh and then mark sent me a uh, a lavat that is rusticated and 
uh, has an acrylic stem, which again, I'm a fan of acrylic stems because one, you don't have to buff them ever. Yeah, you can clean them with a you can clean them with a pipe cleaner and Everclear, and they're good to go. Uh, it's a nicely done pipe, and I can honestly say I see where Mark spending some time with Mike Butera has really paid off. Uh, he's got good wood. The only comment that I gave back to Mark was probably he might want to bowl coat the pipes uh, instead of sending them out virgin. And the reason I always suggest to pipe makers to bowl coat pipes is because it helps protect the pipe during the break-in period. Uh, keep in mind, you know, Mark's in the uh, in the very affordable factory pipe range or you know, handmade pipe range of 100, 150, something like that. So it runs the risk of you know, when you break in a when you break in a virgin bowl, you that's not coated. You've got to be just a little bit more careful. Uh, but again, this pipe is smoking well. It's well balanced. It's well shaped, and I really can see where a Mike Butera. Yeah, influence is on on his style and his rustication uh, and his shaping so uh two pipes that i just wanted to talk about uh both of them for you know completely different reasons uh but both of them well-made pipes well-priced pipes and you know what when an artist somebody like that gives me something of theirs that that's their time well, these are special pipes to me, and they will stay with me for a very long time. Hopefully, uh, well, you'll hear Steve talk about it. he wants to sell all my tobacco when I'm gone. So <laughs> um, hopefully I get a chance to run him, run out all my tobacco. All right, if you have comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, if you want to see pictures of these, I'll post them on my uh, social medias on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And... Uh, Again, uh, Mark Dominguez, uh, Carl Petrozelli, the Olivewood Piper. Thank you both. To, thank you to both of you again. And we'll be back with Steve in just a moment. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste, and whether you know it or not. You've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried-and-true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us for a third or fourth time. I don't remember because I try to black them out because usually they're torturous. But um, joining me from the great state of Texas is the one the only pipe stud steve fallon steve welcome back to the show well that was about the nicest intro i've ever gotten from you my mother would be proud to hear that one. Oh, and i forgot to mention married to my girlfriend um but we probably shouldn't say that on the on the show uh but i'll leave it in there anyway uh, so 
So, Steve, if we, you know, if we want to get your superhero origin story, everybody can go back and listen to the first episode you were on, which I think was right around the beginning of yeah, the beginning of the show. So, way back in the dark ages, uh, I think I was still using tape then. But uh, yeah, let, let, let's talk. Let, let's talk money here for a minute. Are you ready? I'm always ready to talk money. So, on your pipestud.com website, you sell vintage tobaccos and you sell them fast and furious. Uh, what tobaccos are really hot right now? And keep in mind, we're doing this in January of 2020. So, anybody from the future that's listening, that's kind of based off of the middle of January 2020. Well, I understand. Well, here's the deal. I think that probably, uh, and I hope it lasts for a lot longer, but McClellan's is still just absolutely red hot. Uh, everything that uh, I can get my hands on that says McClellan's on it and put it up on the website, uh, they get bought quickly. I'm talking about all of the aromatics, all of the Kias, especially the Virginias, uh, his great Grand Oriental series, and uh, several others that uh, I think everybody liked McClellan's, Brian, uh, a whole lot anyway, but they never really appreciated it until uh, Mike and Mary retired. And uh, folks realized just what great blenders uh, the two of them combined were. I mean, they, they put together some fabulous stuff that uh, we'll never see again. The Stave Age Virginias, that Grand Oriental series I was just talking about, and some others. Uh, they just... Uh, you know, amazed me with their abilities. Does the uh, from the dollars and cents business uh, do the aromatics draw as much money? You know, if you had the equal vintage tobacco, you know, five year old, fifty gram tin Virginia versus English versus aromatic, are the prices the same? Or are the aromatics a little less? Yeah, the aromatics are less simply because uh, there's not that great. Uh, you know, for the collector. The average Joe on the street, I think, in fact, if you talk to most of the retail outlets and you having sold tobaccos for years and years and years, you know that uh, aromatics actually uh, outsell any other kind by a large margin. Yeah. But that's out on the street. Uh, for the collectible, uh, collectible vintage market for tobacco, it's always been uh, Virginias and Latakias. Uh, those are the top two orientals. And then the, the uh, aromatics are down the list. And so... Uh, as an example, if I have a 10-year-old 10, 50-gram 10 of a McClellan's blend that's either a Virginia or a Latakia, I'll be able to get more for it than I would the same aged comparable blend of an aromatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there, how long do you think this McClellan bubble or this McClellan, you know, f fanaticism will go on? I don't know what to call it, but it's somewhere between a bubble and fanaticism. Well, I know Mike is uh, a lot more famous now that he retired, uh, <laughs> and, and he, he apparently has his, uh, a lot lot more time on his hands because you and I were talking about how we get a lot of different phone calls from him over the course of uh, a day or a week yeah. or a year, yeah. uh, but he's fabulous to talk to, and he's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, but seriously, I think that uh, McClellan's will be like Dunhill. I really do. I think that the uh, the original Dunhills out of England and the Dunhill blends by Murray's. Uh, I, I think there will always be uh, a large market for them. And I think McClellan's is going to be the same way. They, they're going to realize that there is nothing else uh, coming out 
that compares uh, with what McClellan's was putting out on a consistent basis. Uh, and, and I think that probably uh, 10 years from now, the McClellan's tobaccos that are hard to get right now are going to be even harder to get because uh, everybody's buying them up. And when there comes a time when it's time to sell and make money, they know that McClellan's will get them top dollar. So I think it's going to continue. I don't know how long the horse will run, but right now he's in full stride. So if something were to happen to me right now, uh, you and my wife are going to get rich uh, from selling all my McClellan, right? How are you feeling right now? Well, uh, fine, fine and dandy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, darn. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, well, I know. Uh, yeah, you tell your wife to get a hold of me, and I'll, I'll make sure that I'll make sure that uh, uh, all of your years and years and years of efforts to accumulate as much McClellan's tobacco as possible for her future uh, will be taken care of. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you're so kind. In fact, I think she's got your cell phone number. I think she grabbed well, your card off of the table in Las Vegas and said, oh, that's that guy. Okay. Uh, so what she got gets for marrying an older guy. That's all I know. Well, all I can say is I think you might get the tobacco before I'm planted in the ground. She might pack that <laughs> stuff up. No, I just, I just kid a lot. Um, let, let's talk about Dunhill because you, you mentioned it, and I think there there's three – is is there three real distinct variations of Dunhill? There's the the really old old stuff that was, you know, made in England by Alfred Dunhill, and then there's the next wave which was made by Murray's in, uh, in wherever Murray's was, I think Liverpool or Dublin, and then there's the transition over to uh, Denmark. So are those really the three distinct price ranges that you find? Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. It's it's in that exact order too. The uh, the the London blends um, out of England they were um, highly and still are highly coveted. You just don't see as much of it uh, these days as as you did. Uh, like when I first started my site back in two thousand six, I was getting a lot more of it than I am now. Uh, and then of course the the Murray's era, which ran from nineteen eighty through two thousand five, which was a great run. They made great tobacco, and we all know Murray's. They were around for a long, long, long time and uh, knew how to source the good stuff and knew how to uh, keep it where it was secure and uh, knew how to process it. Uh, they just did a marvelous job, and as hard as uh, the, the Danish tried, uh, and Oleg's <laughs> been around for a long, long time too, yeah. but uh, all of a sudden when it came time to sourcing the leaf, they just weren't having the same kind of success that that Murray's had, and they were sourcing it from different areas. And as you well know, you can have the same blend, but if the tobacco is sourced uh, from different areas, no matter how you put the tobacco together, it's going to taste a little different. Uh, I think people uh, who are big fans of certain Dunhill blends say, wow, these Orlick did a great job. These taste exactly like I remember. And then others say, this isn't anything like what I remember. Just like me, I, I know Royal Yacht real well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and loved the Murray's version and, and uh, did not develop an affinity for the Orlick version so uh, it, because it was so different. And, and that's, uh, that's just the way it is and the way it was. But uh, in general terms, the Orlick is not nearly as collectible uh, as the Murray's and certainly the, the Old England. And I would imagine eventually as the Peterson-branded blends get into the marketplace, the uh, 
Yeah, the old uh, the the STG or Orlick made ones with the Dunhill name, those will go up in value as they get consumed. Yeah, and I think part of the reason for that too is because you know, uh, with Peterson's renaming the blend uh, or whoever's you know, STG renaming the blends uh, under the auspices of Peterson's and then giving you different names for them. It's really not the same thing. Uh, and in the buyer's mind, as you know, when you're, when you're out shopping, uh, you may, if you're, if you're looking for a particular automobile, if you go, uh, to your auto dealership and want an F one fifty from Ford and, uh, they don't have the F one fifty anymore, but they've got this or they have that. It may be a better, or it may be not so good as the F one fifty. But by golly, you remember the F one fifties, and that—that's what you grew up with, and that's what you liked, and that's what you want. And it's the same with uh, with Dunhill. The uh, if if whatever the Peterson's name for nine sixty five is uh, tastes exactly like when it was under the banner of Dunhill. Uh, you're still in the in the buyer's mind. It's just different. Yeah, it is still the same. It's it's the same product, but it's different. And you know, one of these days, somebody will bribe me from and I'll and I'll uh, cough up the story of how at one point I had uh, one tobacco that I was importing that might have been under four different brand names and different pack sizes, and how the experience was different to each person that bought it <laughs> yeah that's ex that's that's how it goes and you can get uh as you well know uh there may be certain vintages of the same blend that for some reason sparkled uh because the tobacco sourced that particular year was so much better than successive years uh so it's uh, there's always going to be a little bit of a difference the good news i think uh, to lay out for everyone is that there is going to be for uh, in the foreseeable future there's still going to be a lot of really good pipe tobacco out there made by blenders uh, who really are are making an effort uh, to provide us the pipe smokers with the best sourced the best processed and the best put together tobacco that they possibly can and that's good news for us yeah uh, I sure have liked a lot of the uh, newer stuff that's coming out and and don't uh and, and don't think that in the foreseeable future despite all this stuff you hear uh i don't think that pipe tobacco is going to go away anytime soon well you hope not because otherwise you have all this <laughs> you'd have a website that would just look funny called pipe stud with nothing on it <laughs> with, with no tobacco well uh i tell you that may be true, but when I go look in that storage unit from all those wonderful consigners, I go, how am I ever going to sell all this stuff? But then again, <laughs> I've done that with certain, you know, tins of tobacco. I go, I got 40 tins of this stuff. It'll last me a lifetime. And then three months later, I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm almost out. <laughs> so you just don't know. That's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about some of the tobaccos that you've sold that have surprised you and some that don't have any value. And we'll, we'll, we'll go down the bad side of the deal. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. 
using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with the one and only Pipe Stud himself, Steve Fallon of uh, Pipestud.com and Pipe Stud on eBay and, uh, I don't know, Pipe Stud on the men's room wall. Um, (laughs) Brian, you got that backwards. It's the women's bathroom wall. Every woman's bathroom in the world would love to see a picture of me in my hat. Well, I get confused what room I'm in anyway. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about the other end of it, because I follow your site, and... I you know you, every once in a while you'll throw up some old tobacco on there, and it seems like you know that's cheaper than you can buy brand new tobacco for. Uh, so just because it's old doesn't mean that it's always valuable, right? Yeah, and you know the consigners, unfortunately, when uh, you know they'll tell me, oh wow, I've got this old tin of such and such, and uh, how much do you think I can get for it? And when I tell them not much at all because nobody's heard of it. Uh, and why are they going to spend a bunch of money on something they don't know anything about? Uh, th- there were some, uh, no doubt, great old tobaccos. Uh, I-, I still remember right now, Brian, back in, I even remember the year, 1999, I got a tin of I don't know what. I can't remember. I wished I could. I've never seen another one like it. Uh, but it, it it had a leprechaun on the front of the tin. It was a painted label tin, really pretty, and that's why I bought it off eBay. Uh, and then uh, one day, uh, in, uh, later in 99, I decided to go ahead and open it up and smoke it. There wasn't really much information on there. All it said was uh, uh, something about made in Dublin uh, or, or something Dublin. It had Dublin in the name. But uh, <laughs> I opened up that tin, and it was the most wonderful smell of, of aged Virginia. The tobacco was almost black. Uh, I was drooling before I loaded the pipe. I loaded the pipe up and smoked it, and I got rid of that tin by way of my pipe uh, in a matter of a week. It was the it, it was the out, most outstanding tobacco I have ever tasted in a pipe, and uh, I've never seen another tin. I wouldn't even know how to hunt it up because I can't remember the name of it. But that's <laughs> you know that's one of those deals where you sometimes get lucky. And if you see an old tin, uh, I, I'll get tins in of things I've never heard of. I get on Google, look around, can't find any information on it. So when I put it up, I can't put it up for a real high price. I don't know anything about it. And so, and if I do put it up for a higher price because it's older, nobody buys it. So yeah, you're exactly right. If it's uh, if it's an old tin of tobacco that nobody knows about, well, then you're not going to get too many folks wanting to buy it. <laughs> just, yeah unfortunately it didn't sell well the first time nobody knows about it so it doesn't mean it's worth a whole bunch right now but <laughs> at the same time you know if somebody's looking for something interesting for their collection or for their seller you know buy some of these old oddities and yeah you know, it's just something fun to smoke and it may turn out to be something that will drive you crazy for the rest of your life because you'll never be able to find it again and you'll be out there chasing after the white whale. 
Well, that's right. But the, you know, the, uh, I have, I have tried tobaccos that come in here. Uh, I'll just tell the consigner, Hey, look, I don't think I can get more than $35 for this tin. I really don't. Uh, if I put it up for 35 and it doesn't sell after a couple of weeks, I'll buy it from you. And sure enough, that's what I'll do. Uh, just cause I want to try it. I want to try something I've never heard of. that's from the seventies. I, I may not or sixties. I may not know what it is, but they're sure fun to smoke. And, uh, nine times out of 10, boy, the leaf, uh, when it's aged like that, uh, good Virginia, uh, it's going to, you know, the worst one tasted good. <laughs> and then, and then you end up becoming your best customer. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's still true. Yeah. Uh, I, I just can't pass up a good-looking tent of tobacco. <laughs> um, now, let, let's also talk about the the, uh, the purchasing process, because as much as I've tried, uh, you will not call people or email people or have a waiting list of stuff for people that are hunting after stuff. Uh, you just don't do that. You have a mailing list that goes out on Saturday morning and then you post the, you post the stuff to the website shortly after that. Yeah, there's a method to my madness. First of all, it really did help the, uh, I call it the first responders email group because they get, uh, you know, I tell them ahead of time when I'm going to post the new stuff. I don't even, uh, I, I may throw out hints of a couple of things that may be on there, but, uh, that makes, the, that makes the newsletter list grow uh, pretty quickly because people obviously want to get first shot at whatever's up there uh, and uh, get a little insight, uh, uh, inside information if they possibly can. So uh, my my newsletter list just exploded by doing that. The other thing is uh, I'm just a one-man band, and if I try to remember uh, after, what, now uh, 16 years of running this website, uh, almost – Every day, it seems like somebody sends me an email. Hey, Steve, if you ever get such and such in, I'll I'll be a buyer if you give me a heads up. <laughs> well, you know, Brian, you know me. I'm I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I can't remember uh, last week much much less what somebody emailed me two weeks ago. So uh, I I don't want to hurt feelings, and I've done that in the past. I've told people, yeah, sure, I'll hunt that up for you, and if I get it, I'll give you a heads up if I if I can. And then I don't. Then it goes on the website, and then they send me an email saying, you told me you were going to give me a heads up if you got such and such, and you didn't, and it went on your site, and I didn't get a shot at it, and I didn't want any more of that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to cut that out. I can't keep up with it anyway. Why am I telling people that I will? <laughs> so that's the only reason why. And that, and it just makes it easier on your life. You know, just yeah, just yeah. put it up. Everybody gets a fair shot at it, and the emails go out Saturday morning. So if you want to be on that email, go to thepipestud.com, sign up for it. And then Steve occasionally writes some silly stuff and puts it out with that too. And um, I don't know, your, your year in review thing kind of – said that you know it, it's pretty standard ebay related questions uh yeah you know, except some of them are a little more stupid than others <laughs> well uh, you know it's i love it because i know the i know that the people who email me don't intend to be uh mean or intend to be funny or just uh crazy uh but you know some people just have a propensity uh, for attracting my interest <laughs> when they send me uh, an email that 
Well, as a prime example, I called some up, uh, and, and, and this one was, uh, it's just, it blows my mind. He said, dear seller, I bought this pipe a month or so ago, but want to return it for a full re- refund, and I am warning you that you will receive negative feedback if you don't agree to do so. I bought this pipe for a friend in Russia. I sent the pipe to him to his address in Kazan, but he never received it. Apparently, it was lost in the mail, which is certainly not my fault. You need to make good on the loss. <laughs> so he, he, you shipped it to him. He got it, and then he sends it on to somebody else. Yeah, and that somebody else doesn't get it, so I'm responsible. Well, I'm going to do that to you on your pipe stud <laughs> website when I buy a tin of tobacco. I'm going to I'm going to say, hey, look, I need a refund because that tobacco didn't last as long as you said it would when I smoked uh, it. well that would that would fit right in i mean i look at emails like that and i go huh Huh? uh i I just i don't get this and you know so uh but i have fun with it you know that's that's the that's the thing you don't instead of blowing your stack and saying like i have a lot of people you probably heard them too i don't even mess with these people drive me nuts i think it's hilarious (laughs) <laughs> uh, like for this guy in particular, I answered him by saying, you must be writing me from an asylum for the insane, but thanks for the heads up. I forwarded your, e- your, eBay, uh, your email to eBay, and fortunately they assure me any negative feedback you leave will be removed as I'm not responsible for your shipping issues. Uh, and to close, I have just a quick question. How would you manage to get out of your straight jacket to bid on that auction in the first place? <laughs> so, <laughs> I never heard back from the guy. No, anyway. not, not until he buys something else from you in the future. Well, he can't. I blocked him. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Before I sent him the email, as a matter of fact. So uh, now I have to make a whole other account that's not in my name, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do, as a matter of fact. Uh, Steve, you this past uh, West Coast Pipe Show, you were the uh, featured uh, speaker, person, entertainer, um, and I was not able to go because I had wife with me and didn't want to torture her with you know hearing you talk. Uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, sitting in in a in a bunch of anyway. Uh, so. <laughs> You, you want to tell us what you what you did that you really didn't do anything, but you did it? Well, first of all, uh, actually, I was just a fill-in. Uh, Sykes Wilford with SmokingPipes.com was supposed to be the guest speaker. Uh, but as you know, they're real busy with uh, uh, a variety of things that, that Sykes is heavily involved with and that he had to personally take care of. So he had to back out because I think he was actually going overseas. Uh, where he's, you know, where they're working, I think, in Ireland. And so uh, I filled in for him. But basically, it's with me, it's just uh, I have fun, have a good time. I don't want to do any work, like write a speech. And besides that, if I if I wrote a speech, I wouldn't know what to write about. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's more fun to get the pipe makers up there because uh, I just think the world of pipe makers, uh, they work so hard. Not only do they have to be skilled at making pipes, but they have to learn how to market their pipes properly. Uh, they have to learn how to source the right briar to use. Uh, they there's just a ton of things involved. They're by themselves. Uh, it's it's kind of a nomadic existence for them for the most part because they're sitting there trying to make pipes. Some of them doing it full time. Majority of them have to supplement their income with other jobs. Uh, but the Product that they're putting out, especially the 
uh, I'm, I'm fascinated at how quickly over the last 25 years or so, the American pipe makers have come to the forefront with fabulous product, beautiful pipes that smoke well, use great wood, all of that. So uh, I just called all of the ones who were in, in attendance uh, at that Saturday night dinner. I think there were 15 of them uh, and just called them up. Uh, and had the audience ask questions of them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the opportunity of these people to actually ask the pipe makers whose pipes they're smoking questions. And it was fun. They had great questions, a lot of response. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember his name now. But, uh, you know, like one of the pipe makers was so, I mean, he was the youngest looking. I, I thought, is this guy even a teenager? Uh, <laughs> and and he, he makes fabulous work. And then, of course, can't remember his name. Anyway, you know, and I went up and introduced myself to him the first time. I didn't know whether to shake his hand or burp him. I mean, he was uh, really young. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's uh, Lee Von Erk. And, uh, you know, he taught Moses how to read. So it, it was it was all kinds of fun. And we had a great time and, and uh, I had a blast and uh, I didn't that was not work at all. I got a I got a free meal and lots of fun out of the deal. <laughs> uh, the one thing you know, that, that people may quickly learn about you is that you're not shy and you can talk for a long time on just about any subject it may not be true but you can talk well that's yeah i can uh i, I don't let I, you know there is absolutely in order to be able to talk properly i people say what's the secret i said it's real easy uh you know when you're when you're speaking and telling a story don't let the facts get in the way <laughs> if it's a good story go with it <laughs> never let the truth get in the way of a good tale yeah uh, there we go yeah uh real quick before we wrap it up are there any tobaccos that uh that maybe if we've got them that we may not know are really popular or any uh anything that you uh yeah any anything that when a consigner sending in stuff for your uh for your site you get all excited over that may not be in the in the normal popular list well, you know, it's uh, uh, I like to to receive tobaccos from consigners, obviously that I know are going to sell for a lot of money, uh, because the more money that uh, they sell for, the more I make, the more the consigner makes, and and uh, that leaves us both happy. Uh, and for the people who buy the tobacco, it's uh, usually pretty good stuff if they're going to pay that kind of price. And when they smoke it, they're happy, so everybody's happy. But uh, occasionally, I get tobacco in that I know is good, but I, and I'll try to convey it, but of course you don't. Well, the last thing you want is people going, you know, you go to Pipe Stud's site, he throws up this tin, he says all this stuff about how great it is and wonderful, and then I'll smoke it and it's just average. So I try to, uh, you know, I, I try to actually uh, under promise and over deliver on a lot of that stuff. But uh, occasionally tins come in of, of certain things that I think are really, really good. And especially if I get a lot of them, uh, like here recently, that first batch ever of the year 2013 Capstan Yellow, uh, you know, in the flake, not the ready rub, but the flake. Yeah. Whatever that tobacco was that McBaron sourced for that was unbelievable. Uh, the sweetest, tastiest uh, Virginia that you'd ever, ever smoke. Uh, just fabulous. And subsequent years, uh, you know, still good tobacco, but not even uh, it just didn't compare. And uh, I talked to a couple of people, and that tobacco from that particular area where 
McBaron sourced it for their first uh, couple of runs of that year, 2013 batch, was incredible tobacco, but they just didn't have, uh, you know, uh, a, a million pounds of it. So uh, the the McBaron yellow, uh, Capstan yellow that you see now uh, is still good tobacco, but it's nothing like that stuff that first came out. And you, you try to convey that, but you don't want to throw a higher price on it to make people think, well, he's talking like that because he threw up a huge price. So you've <laughs> got to keep the price like you would any other tin of that vintage. Uh, but, yeah, I get that in sometimes, and I, I, I wished I had enough to where everybody that was uh, ever goes to my site could get a tin of it because I think it's that good. So that does happen. And every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut. That's right. Yeah. Steve, we will. I found, I found you, Brian. Well, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions you've had them before we're gonna i'm, I'm gonna tailor them a little bit for you this time but uh, no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready i'm ready besides your magic uh bruce weaver pipe what is your second favorite pipe second favorite pipe probably a brad pullman sandblasted billiard uh, he has a horn uh, embellishment on it that's really uh, make, it makes it stand out. It's just a beautiful pipe. But every time I smoke it, it's a thick bowl. Every time I smoke that pipe, the tobacco's it's it's cool. Uh, <laughs> I think I took it out of a refrigerator. I don't know what Pullman did with that pipe, but uh, that's my number two. And uh, since we all know of your famous love of Royal Yacht, uh what's your what's your number two behind royal yacht well that's a good question because i really don't know if i have an exact number two but if i had just one tobacco uh that i had to smoke for the rest of my life and it couldn't be royal yacht uh i'd probably pick and this is going to shock people uh but i'd probably pick uh five brothers which is nothing but a shag burley and and the reason for that i think it tastes like tea and i love tea so uh but the only downside is it's so strong that after about seven or eight puffs uh i've i've uh, had a whole teapot full uh, <laughs> it would it would last me a long long time because i uh, i'd love the, i love the flavor of that i can't explain it it's just a kind of a, a nutty tea flavor so five brothers and it doesn't cost a whole lot either what a deal yeah now you can load your bowl in the morning, get five puffs off of it, you know, survive the next two hours of the sweats and the head spins, and then go back. I think I, I think nicotine in, uh, has has really, I don't know, my body tolerates it very well. <laughs> I think it's pretty good stuff. <laughs> All right, what is your favorite drink? Uh, favorite drink? Yeah. Sweet tea and orange Gatorade. Oh, God. Ugh. I'm sorry. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A movie. And then finally, we'll tweak this a little bit, but uh, you've been to a few pipe shows in your life. Uh, do you have a favorite pipe show memory that you uh, that you want to share or that you, let's put it this way, that you can share? <laughs> well, I can share all of them, but the... Uh uh <clears throat> one of my favorite memories of, of an actual pipe show occurred many years ago at the kansas city pipe show 
and dang it, I don't have, there it is. I wanted to make sure I get the year right. Uh, in 2007, uh, at the Kansas City Pipe Show's annual slow smoking contest, and by the way, all slow smoking contests I love to participate in, I always finish either at the bottom of the pack or at the lower middle of the pack. And at my own pipe club contest, which we've had for 20 years, uh, I've never done better than middle of the pack. But at that show, when we started smoking, there was some tobacco stuck in the shank of my pipe that I could not get out. I turned that pipe halfway one direction, halfway another. I'd lift it in the air. I dropped it down low. I did everything I could and was puffing hard trying to keep the thing going. And here I was doing all this work, and I kept it going for an hour and seven minutes and won the contest. <laughs> <laughs> that was the soggiest piece of tobacco I got out of there after it was over. Uh, but, yeah, and, and not, not, not since have I even come close to going like 30 minutes. Uh, so that's my favorite pipe show memory. I won the contest. I got a nice trophy out of the deal and a nice uh, pipe, and uh, it was a total accident. You can't beat that kind of a deal. So, so now you're shoving tobacco up the stem, trying to recreate that, and it just doesn't I've work, done does it? Many it? times, <laughs> doesn't work. Uh, the website again, it's pipestud.com and uh, pipe stud on eBay. Steve, thanks for thanks for coming back on, and thanks for amusing us with your uh, with, with your tall tales and long stories. <laughs> well, I had some truth in some of the stuff I told you, and by the way. Dr. Levine, you are to be commended because of what you do for the pipe world. And even though I kid you all the time, I have, I greatly enjoy your podcasts. You've stuck with it. Uh, you've got a huge following. Uh, people talk about it all the time. Please keep up the good work. Uh, you're, you're great for the hobby. I'm blushing, and I know your wife is nowhere near you right now because you would never commend me in front of her. Got that right, boy. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Um, and, and don't forget, when you if you sign up for Steve's newsletter, not only that, you get some of his uh, sense of humor in there, and uh, you, know, you can read his blog that he does on his website, so check it out. All right, for music, um, how about we go back to uh, one of the crooners, and we go back to Dean Martin, an original Rat Pack member, 
And uh, this one is uh, King of the Road. Trailer for sailor rent Rooms to let 50 cent No phone, no pool, no pets Ain't got no cigarettes But two hours of pushing broom Buys a eight by twelve four-bit room I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Third boxcar midnight train Destination Bangor, Maine Old worn out suit and shoes Don't pay no union dues or smoke All stogies I have found Short but not too big around I'm a man children all of their names every lock that ain't locked no one's around I sing trailer for sale rent rooms to let 50 cents no phone no pool no pets ain't got no cigarettes of it Two hours of pushing broom buys a eight by twelve four-bit room. I'm a man of means by no means. King of the road. King of the road. King of the road. Does anybody under the age of 60 remember the uh, names of the entire Rat Pack? It was uh, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, all pipe smokers, Joey Bishop, and Peter Lawford. What's this? A letter for me. If you want your comment or question read here on the show, the email is brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, or you can post them on pipes on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. Um, or you can, uh, you know, put them on Instagram, Facebook, I don't know. Uh, but emails, <laughs> emails much easier for me to handle. And uh, remember, if, you're, if you don't hear about your question in a, couple, in a week or two, email me again. Um, Law Dog, Robert Lawing says, well done, Brian and Neil. Enjoyed it a great deal. Thank you both going back to last week's show. And uh, also going back to last week's show, there was uh, um, a little bit of confusion, but uh, Renfield said, great show. I'm not a collector, but I always enjoy hearing how they go about building a collection. It seems like everyone has a different motivation and focus. Uh, And then he also goes on to say, awesome music selection. Uh, Neil Peart was an amazing musician in person. The world is a lesser place without him. Pick any interview with him at random, and you can't help but be struck with how thoughtful, driven, and funny he was. Yeah. Um, 
And then a, a couple of folks in the uh, on the forums mentioned that uh, Neil Roan has been off the pipe radar for a while. Well, no, I've seen him uh, at Chicago at the West Coast Pipe Show, uh, and I follow him on Facebook. I'm a friend of his on Facebook. He's just not doing the Passion for Pipes blog bef- anymore. Uh, which, if you remember, I believe on his uh, visit with us, he said that, you know, he felt like it had just kind of run its course. So that's why he ended it. And uh, he didn't want to leave it up because it would require maintenance and monitoring and stuff like that. Um, Law Dog says, uh, very informative book and the photographs are second to none. Simply beautiful and enjoy. And then uh, Don says, I just ordered a copy of his Blue Ribbon book. Should be here Thursday. Can't wait to page through it. Also, uh, going back to uh, two weeks ago, um, Brian writes, Brian with an I, and I'm not sure I might have read this already, but I should have gotten rid of it if I did. But anyway, he says, uh, great show with Paul Allen. It made for an enjoyable trip to work this morning, and it looks like I have a new book to add to my collection, as well as an idea on how to properly use the pokey thing on my tamper. Thanks again for uh, looking in. Oh, and he's mentioning some uh, travel stuff, too. Uh, and Brian's one of those guys that I just helped with some advice. Uh, uh, you know, happy to do it. Uh, Nate Rose also wrote me regarding Paul Allen. He said the, f- the interview is phenomenal, not to mention right in my backyard. I live about 20 minutes, give or take, from Aylmar, and my grandparents live in Kingsville. So this podcast was very cool to get to listen to. I'll definitely be picking up a copy of his novel, ASAP. There you go. Uh, and, uh, and I ended up, uh, I sent uh, Nate uh, Paul's address. Uh, maybe they could uh, hook up. Anyway, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Travel stuff, there are a lot of deals right now for uh, cruises. Lots and lots of deals going on. Um, some of them as much as 30% off, including a open bar on board the ship. So that's uh, seven days of uh, all you can drink and all you can eat. And uh, the Disney company has announced some uh, room deals and stuff like that for uh, late spring and summer. So if you're thinking of going there, email me, brian.levine at mei-travel.com, or just get a hold of me, and I am happy to uh, advise you and uh, make sure that uh, you know, you're getting the right amount of bang for your buck. Also, if you use me to book or, you know, if you book your trip with me, it doesn't cost you anything extra. Uh, I get a commission from where you, uh, from the places that you book with. And that commission normally would have just gone to the company that you book directly with. So it doesn't cost you anything extra. Plus, you get all my advice, my wit, wisdom, and sometimes my snarkiness. But, all right, no snarky now. Uh, Rave coming up next. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. 
cowboy. Cowboy. So, my wife and I are trying to, uh, I don't know, um, you know, expose ourselves to new forms of entertainment and uh, try to be a little more enlightened. And so we've been going to uh, some musicals and uh, plays when they come to town and stuff like that. And in the past, we've seen uh, Wicked, we saw Hamilton, we saw, uh, you know, the, the Nutcracker. We've seen a couple times we saw Sleeping Beauty, the ballet, and I don't have to go back to that again. But anyway, uh, recently we saw... A musical called Come From Away. And I knew nothing about it going in. My wife had heard reviews of it and said, We're gonna go to that and I said, Okay, yes, ma'am. How yeah, yeah, did what I you know, did what I should do as a dutiful husband. Said yes, ma'am. And then uh, about a week before going, started to hear stuff about it and started to get excited about it because Come From Away is a musical that uh, premiered in Canada but is based off of the uh, September 11th events of 2001 and the airplanes that landed in Newfoundland because they were denied access into the U.S. And it talks about how this little town of Gander and the surrounding towns in that area took on these 7,000 passengers in this little town of Gander is 9,000 people and the relationships that formed, the bonds that formed, the events that happened during the five days that these 7,000 people were there. And let me tell you, my review of the musical is, it's very simple. And for me, I've got a technical mind. So, you know, I'm watching stuff and I'm trying to figure things out usually. There were times when I got completely lost in what was going on in, on stage and was just completely enveloped in the musical. And I enjoyed it more than Hamilton. So, with that said, if you get a chance to see Come From Away, I can highly recommend it. It's funny, touching, hysterical, satirical, uh, dramatic, and, uh, you know, it's just got everything in it. And the cast was, obviously, really good. So, Come From Away. If you get a chance, go see it. No pipe smoking in it, but, you know, that's that's okay. We don't need that and everything. Anyway, uh, again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. We're still looking for more Ask the Pipe Maker questions for uh, Jeff Grasick, so send those to me. And uh, if there's a pipe parts segment that you'd like to hear, well, fire away. Or a pipe tobacco that you'd like for me to review, send it on. Uh, next week, uh, I'll update you all on uh, pipe shows and stuff like that coming up. So stay tuned. Remember, new shows every week. All right. Uh, thank you to Steve Fallon, the pipe stud, for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the moon. 
The show is also not the answer to Where's the Beef? 